Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, more than a dozen Ohio-based missionaries, including several children, were kidnapped over the weekend in Haiti. It is a danger that the humanitarian relief workers of Mission Possible know all too well. Also this morning, the aftermath of pandemic-related work shutdowns has given rise to a phenomenon some are calling the Great Resignation. We have results of the 2021 Employee Stress Check Report. And the annual Medicare enrollment period is now open, the way many seniors access routine and specialized community care during the pandemic has been factored into many plans, giving recipients one more thing to consider in making this important choice. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, October 19, 2021. If you need something to celebrate today, this is something that I think we all can have a little fun with. It is Dress Like a Dork Day. (laughs) Dress Like a Dork Day today. International Gin and Tonic Day. It is LGBT Center Awareness Day. National Seafood Bisque Day. New Friends Day. Although it might be hard to make new friends if you're dressed like a dork. Offer them a gin and tonic, and that should take care of it. Rainforest Day and World Pediatric Bone and Joint Day. So, reasons to celebrate today. I like that. Dress like a dork day. (laughs) Hey, wait a minute. What do you mean? I dress like this every day. I don't know what you're talking about. First thing you need to know this morning, the uh, big news. And this will definitely be, once this story gets out on social media, folks will be uh, talking about this to be sure. So I'll throw it out here so you know, so that you know to expect this on your social media feed. People are going to be buzzing about this. A statue of Thomas Jefferson is being removed from City Hall in New York because its presence made some employees uncomfortable. The Founding Fathers, Thomas Jefferson, statue will be removed from New York City Hall um, because, uh, of course, Thomas Jefferson, the principal writer of the Declaration of Independence that states that all men are created equal, um, and he is on record in his writings as calling slavery a moral depravity and a hideous blot, and yet he owned about 600 slaves. Uh, The uh, city council's Minority Caucus um, objected to keeping the statue in place, and so it would be removed by the end of the year. They say Thomas Thomas Jefferson uh, going to be re- so. Anyway, that is the uh, latest cancel culture story. You know that that is going to be people are buzzing about this. Here's the other story that people are going to be buzzing about today: um, the highest paid employee in Washington State has been fired. Uh, from his job for failing to comply with the state of Washington's COVID vaccine mandate. Uh, Washington State head football coach Nick Rolovich and four of his assistant coaches have all been let go for uh, failing to comply with the uh, COVID uh, vaccine mandate, which applies to all state employees. And as the head coach at a state university, uh, he is classified as a state employee, and he is gone. Is in the second year of a five-year contract worth $15.6 million. And gave it all up because he refused to be vaccinated. So, 
Again, one of the uh, big buzzworthy stories of the day. People will be talking about that. Um, here's the uh, latest Halloween story that I saw on the Newswire this morning. Registered nutritionist Amanda Frankeny, 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 Frankeny. Anyway, this registered nutritionist says is weighing in on the Halloween trick or treat debate. That being candy for Halloween or healthy snacks for trick or treaters. Uh, this uh, registered nutritionist now, she's not just somebody out of the blue, nutritionist, so presumably she knows what she's talking about, says you should beware of certain buzzwords on products like sugar-free, keto, low-carb, or superfood, because she says they don't necessarily make sweets healthier. And I have to admit, I didn't realize they were actually marketing sweets as well. I know they... Market sweets is sugar-free, but uh, low-carb, superfood sweets? I don't know. She says those are not necessarily healthier alternatives. <coughs> Excuse me. I got something. <coughs> One of those healthy treats caught in my, uh, caught in my throat this morning. Anyway, uh, she says while those uh, labels sound uh, more nutritious at face value, too much candy of any type can lead to uh, cavities and poor nutrition. She also notes that you want your kids to have a good relationship with food in general, so you don't want to deprive your little ones of the real deal, or else they may go scrounging around for it without your supervision and end up consuming more candy than they would otherwise. So, uh, again, it's that uh, debate over Healthy snacks or traditional candy at trick-or-treat. And she says, candy, go ahead. Go ahead with the candy. At least then you can control the quantity uh, that that they take in. And even more importantly, she says, people who celebrate eating candy rather than thinking of it as a guilty pleasure are less likely to have body image issues or worry about overdoing it. So there you go. Supposedly an expert there. So... Experts have spoken with respect to the uh, Halloween candy debate. Interesting. This is the uh, latest thing that is uh, ruining uh, ruining kids everywhere. This is, and this is another story that, for me, I look at this and I and I think this is just the latest uh, alarm bell ringing over potentially nothing. I don't want to say it's nothing. Well, anyway, here's the story. Uh, doctors in multiple countries are reporting a rise in teenage girls developing tics. You know, those uh, repetitive involuntary movements or sounds. Um, tics, you know what we're talking about, right? So anyway, uh, anxiety, depression, and TikTok could be contributing factors. TikTok. The online social media platform, the uh, increase started at the beginning of the pandemic and has alarmed and puzzled doctors. Several medical journals report that the teen girls were watching TikTok videos of people who said they had Tourette's syndrome, which is a genetic nervous system disorder that can cause tics. Um, A movement uh, disorders fellow in Chicago says 
She noticed many patients blurting out the word beans in a British accent. <laughs> that was their tick. And she eventually learned that one British TikToker would blurt out the word beans. And uh, so she then made the correlation between the two. And uh, experts say what's happening is not Tourette's, but a functional movement disorder. And also note that many of the kids who developed these tics had previously been diagnosed with anxiety or depression that had been made worse during the pandemic. A recent paper by a child neurologist at Texas Children's Hospital found that psychological disorders which have the capacity to spread were mostly confined to geographical locations in the past, but that social media has allowed them to spread globally now. Doctors note the disorders can be treated and suggest kids take a social media break and the parents keep an eye on the types of videos their kids are viewing. Also, if a child exhibits tics that interfere with daily life, parents should seek out specialists for treatment. But here again, this is, I read this story, and not to minimize the significance of this issue that they're talking about, but isn't this the latest thing of uh, grown-ups um, ascribing any sort of malady they can, no matter how tenuous the connection uh, to some sort of something that is popular with teens. I mean, you think back in the early days of rock and roll. Is rock and roll is going to be the undoing of the moral fabric of the teenagers of this country. You know, and Elvis Presley shaking his hips. Wasn't there, I, I seem to remember uh, hearing stories back in the 1950s that uh, parents and, and doctors, medical experts, were worried that uh, Elvis Presley's gyrating hips would uh, cause like medical concerns uh, in children who tried to imitate his uh, behavior. And it was going to uh, ruin the posture, ruin the <laughs> joints of, of children. And it just seems like whenever something new comes up, that teenagers especially uh, really get into and, and go overboard with, uh, that, uh, that the adults find some way to tie this into some terrible malady that is going to be the downfall of humankind. And I don't know. It just seems like this is maybe the latest example of that. Anyway, that just is my take on it. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on the radio. And uh, how about this kind of uh, an interesting story, something to uh, think about? Why is it that we remember our most embarrassing moments so much more vividly than all of the good things that happen in our lives. Uh, researchers in Germany took a look at this, analyzed the brain activity of people, and found that this is true for most humans. We recall the embarrassing mistakes that we have made in our lives in much greater detail than the happy moments in our lives. What they found, these researchers, is the memories of objects from stressful situations seem to rely on similar brain activity as memories of the stress. What is it? Wait a minute. Hang on a second. I think I read this wrong. Researchers in Germany analyzed the brain activity of people and found that memories of objects from stressful situations seem to rely on similar brain activity as memories of the stress trigger themselves. They specifically found, this is the long and short of it, specifically found that memories of objects from stressful situations were clearly set apart from other experiences and note that the mechanism that reinforces emotional memories appears to be rooted in the fact 
that the important aspects of the episode are linked at the neural level and become more closely related to the stress trigger. That's medical speak for we those embarrassing moments in our lives are ingrained in our brains more so than the happy times in our life. I thought that was kind of interesting. Researchers say the findings could be important when it comes to better understanding emotional and traumatic memories. Do you do you find that that is true for you? That you remember the stressful moments in your life or the mistakes that you have made more visibly, uh, more vividly than you do your successes? We do tend to dwell on those. I always thought it was just because you know we replay those moments in our minds over and over and over again so often thinking what could we have done differently that would have been less embarrassing or less um stressful or whatever and uh the happy memories we think about and then forget so anyway i just think at least uh what i took away from that is that you are not alone if you find that that is true for yourself uh you are not alone other people uh do that too we all do that to a certain extent kind of interesting stuff there uh, some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started here. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, plenty of sunshine again today with a high of 70, mostly clear tonight, a low of 48. The Ohio Department of Transportation says it'll be looking into what can be done to lessen the number of crashes on the Interstate 75 southbound flyover ramp to U.S. 68, State Route 15, and Lima Avenue in Findlay. There have been a number of crashes since the flyover ramp opened, particularly in wet weather. Just last week, a semi overturned on the ramp. ODOT says some things they're considering are more signage, extending the guardrails along the ramp, and checking the road surface to make sure it has enough friction. Get more on our website. Two prominent Ohio Republicans are reacting to the passing of former Secretary of State and head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Colin Powell. Ohio Senator Rob Portman tweeted about the former Secretary of State. Portman wrote, today we lost an American hero. Colin Powell was a soldier, statesman, and friend. Governor Mike DeWine wrote in part, today our country has lost one of its most accomplished citizens, General Colin Powell. Powell's last known visit to Columbus was three years ago for the opening of the National Veterans Memorial and Museum in downtown Columbus. He called the museum a place of unity. ONN's Karina Nova reporting. Get more on our website. The Main Street Deli Bar and Arcade in downtown Findlay will be holding its grand opening on Friday. Main Street Deli took over the space next to them and made it into a bar and arcade that includes a full bar and around 40 classic arcade games. General Manager Andrew Crom says they built a walkthrough so people can easily go back and forth. Bring their drinks into the deli, sit down and eat, come back to the bar, eat while they're playing games. It's going to be, basically we're doubling the deli in size and tripling the fun. (laughs) He says they wanted to bring something fun to downtown Findlay and thinks people will really enjoy it. The grand opening is on Friday. Get more on our website. Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett is having some Halloween fun and touting his abilities at the same time. Garrett has set up a quarterback graveyard in front of his Cleveland area home with the decorations featuring the names of his rivals and the quarterbacks he's sacked. Garrett currently leads the NFL in sacks. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. You wake up. Let us do the rest. Good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Jump into our cover story this morning. Of course, you heard over the weekend the news that more than a dozen 
Ohio-based missionaries, including several children, unfortunately, were kidnapped over the weekend in Haiti. Um, It is a danger that the humanitarian relief workers of Findlay-based Mission Possible know all too well. And President David Rath is with us in the uh, studio this morning. And first of all, David, to uh, clarify and make sure that we uh, make no... uh, no one's confused about it. These were not your people. No, no, these were these were not associated with us. This was Christian Aid Ministries, mm-hmm. which is an organization uh, based in Holmes County. Uh, are you familiar with that uh, organization? Have you worked with them? We have, we have not worked with them, but we are familiar with them, and mm-hmm. and um, our thoughts and prayers are with them for sure. Yeah, they they do similar uh, work uh, as you you have mm-hmm. uh, experience in working uh, in Haiti. In yeah, that, they that they region. primarily do relief work and so they come in after disaster come after uh earthquake hurricane mm-hmm. um and and they do a lot of work uh relief work yeah and, and there is no reason to believe i don't know how closely you followed the story obviously you know it, it <laughs> kind of hits close to home yeah. um there's no reason to believe that that they were being careless or they they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing no they were doing everything it. right from what i've heard they're traveling in in large groups they're you know they're they're clearly marked their their vehicles are marked yeah um yeah they're doing everything that they possibly can to the stay safe as do you when you oh, are yes. in yeah. any uh of, of those uh nations in that region mm-hmm. of the world um why does this happen in haiti uh specifically i mean it seems like uh haiti you also do work in like the dominican, dominican republic, republic. And there are other uh there are a lot of poor countries in the world but it seems as though Haiti is is one location that is particularly dangerous with these types of gangs. Why yeah. is that? I think the biggest reason is that uh, continued political unrest. There, there's not a there's not a stable government. Uh, inflation is is going through the roof. Uh, a bag of a bag of rice that a year ago cost. Uh, Five dollars is now costing fifteen or twenty, hmm. uh, so so th- it's desperate times for the the people of Haiti, and so inflation, uh, instability, uh, constant um, earthquakes. Um, you know there was one in uh, the president was assassinated. Right. Know, there, there's just so many things that uh, just kind of fell in place, um, and this is unfortunately this is this is a source of income for them. Yeah. Yeah, and so and and that's uh, one of the. Uh, important points to put it this is not a uh, sort of a um um a fundamental opposition to the work that's being done like no. for example in in afghanistan when uh you heard about the the taliban bombing schools where girls were attending that was a fundamental opposition mm-hmm. to that particular mission that's not the case here this is opportunistic yeah. it's it's they they see they see people that you know. Maybe they're driving a nicer car. Maybe they're, hmm. um, you know, Maybe they see that there's uh, somebody that's not Haitian, and so they think they have money. We're gonna. It's just a. It's a crime of opportunity. Yeah. And so. And now the uh, State Department is involved mm-hmm. in uh, in this. Um, how do you mitigate the risks when you are in a nation like that? Uh, well, you know, to, to try and protect your people. Yeah, we do everything we can. Uh, we haven't traveled to Haiti for the, for uh, two years now just because of the political unrest and, mm. and everything that's going on. So we, we have decided not to, not to travel. So we don't have anybody there right now uh, except for our national workers. 
And so, but when we, when we do go, yeah, we, we check with uh, local authorities. We check with the, um, yeah, we check with the government, uh, see what the, the embassy is putting in, uh, the travel alerts, that kind of things. Um, and then we, we take, we, we don't travel with guns because everybody has bigger guns than we do. So, um, but we, we, we do travel in large groups. We travel, uh, usually three, uh, two or three vehicles at a time. Mm. So we, we try to do everything. Um, you, you talk about the fact that you're not traveling. That obviously makes it even more difficult mm. to do what you do yeah. in places like Haiti. So, so about, uh, let's see, about eight years ago, we decided that we were going to invest heavily in our national leaders. And so we had a leadership academy that we, we spent uh, two years training them, uh, you know, everything rises and falls with leadership. If you don't have good leadership, unfortunately, you're just, you're going to go by the wayside. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it could be a year or two or five or 10, but, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to crumble. And so we invest a lot of time and energy. And we ask the question, what if we can never go back? And uh, that question was answered, uh, has been answered. And so we've actually expanded our ministry. I was going to say, what if, what is it? What if you can yeah. never go back? So if we we can never go back, we've highly invested in our in our national leaders and and they are taking ownership of our ministry. And so we've expanded, we've added two churches, or I'm sorry, we've added two schools. We've added four churches in the last uh, year and a half. And so through the global pandemic, uh Mission Possible is growing and expanding hmm. and, and which is just Amazing. And it's nothing that the Americans are doing. It's everything that the the Haitians are doing for themselves. Which, uh, in some respects, is maybe even more powerful when they take ownership of that themselves. Um, At the same time, uh, you do do uh, mission work Mm -hmm. in in other parts of the country, but in other parts of the world and that region. Does an incident like this make it more difficult to recruit missionaries (laughs) to to go to? There are are some people that are... You know that that have their bags packed and and are say, saying let's go let's uh, let's make a difference and um and so it, there are people that are on both sides of it you know yeah. some will say I'm never traveling again and others are you know let's go tomorrow hmm. so that that uh, that takes a special kind of person to to say you know to know those yeah. types of risks and be willing to go anyway it's one of the questions i mean you actually already already answered it pretty much one of the questions i wanted is does this make you reevaluate uh the way you do what you do and delivering the services uh, that you do and clearly it has yeah it has and so uh you know our our churches um is the center of our ministry and so everything else is an outflow of our church and so our schools uh is an outflow is a ministry of our of our church our ministry our medical ministry is an outflow of our church our leadership is outflow of, of the church and so that that model uh, has really been uh, has really paid off for us so what do organizations such as mission possible need most right now i mean again given the fact of I mean, what we have seen over the weekend and you were mentioning you haven't traveled and and have no plans to travel to haiti for the foreseeable future but you still have um a, a mission in that nation and in the dominican mm-hmm. republic what is it that you need right now well to sound uh like every other nonprofit organization at this time, we need money, uh, but we also need we need partners. Uh, we need we need to get supplies down there, and so 
we're not a logistics company, but we have a whole bunch of people that, that rely on us for supplies, school supplies, medical supplies. Uh, we need somebody that can come alongside us and, and be a logistics person for us. Um, uh, and just that, that expertise there. We need, we need people to, to, you know, obviously support our ministry because, um, you know, food shortages, um, we have, you know, just different things like that. You know, everyday needs that people have, we need to supply that for them. And, and we're, we're doing, um, you know, I, I always joke around and say that we're the best kept secret in Northwest Ohio. Mm-hmm. That we have, you know, our budget's over a million dollars and we have 250 employees in, in country, but uh, no one knows about us. Yeah. And so, uh, so being here, you know, is a is a good start. And so <laughs> the maybe the uh, hidden upside in, yes. in, in all of this is yeah. as uh, sad as as this is, and we certainly hope that uh, these missionaries uh, are are returned safely. Um, but it it really is interesting when you talk about the uh, dynamic. I I wonder if it is discouraging at all uh, in. All of the work that you do and and all of the resources that you expend, again, in a place like Haiti, knowing that uh, ultimately, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Is there a, a, an end, uh, positive end result where you can see the end of this? Because the the political corruption, the uh, the the. Uh, abject poverty in in these these things are not going away right i think our our light at the end of the tunnel is is a little different than uh, a normal business model you know, we're not going to fix it all we're, we're not going to fix it all yeah and and i would say that we we work in a in a small little corner of haiti mm-hmm. and we're doing our best to to make daily life better there uh, our field leader, Pastor Hervé, uh, always tells me that there's there's two things that's going to help Haiti. The first one is education. Uh, Forty years ago, when Mission Possible started, the 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 poverty or the uh, the literacy rate was about uh, about ten percent. So only one out of ten people could mm-hmm. read. Now it's about fifty percent. Not because of Mission Possible, but because of the just education. Because Mission Possible and others yeah, doing yeah. what you do. And um, and so education is one, and then Jesus is the other. And, and that's, you know, it's going to take a take a divine hand uh, to yeah. help that country. Yeah. How do folks learn more about, as you said, you're kind of the best, uh, best kept secret <laughs> in Northwest Ohio. How do folks learn more about what it is that you do and how they can be a part of it? Uh, so uh, you're welcome to stop in at our, our uh, international headquarters, as I like to call it. Uh, at 306 uh, West Bigelow, you can go to our website, which is uh, ourmissionispossible.org, uh, uh, or you can just simply give us a call, and, and we're all over the internet and Twitter and Facebook, and so just just look us up. Yeah, you can see some of the uh, great work uh, that Mission mm-hmm. Possible is doing around the world, and we've got the link up at our webpage as well. And David Rath, uh, Mission Possible with us uh, this morning. David, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate right. it. Thank you. Well, in the aftermath of pandemic-related work shutdowns, we are seeing a phenomenon some are calling the Great Resignation now. People just 
up and leaving their jobs. And it's happening for a variety of reasons. Much of it surrounds work-related stress and the way they feel their work is negatively affecting their personal well-being. Dr. Rachel O'Neill is vice president of the online therapy platform Talkspace with 20 years experience in the field of mental health therapy. And Dr. O'Neill, what are some of the factors you see contributing to this great resignation, as it's being called? Yeah, so we know stress is at an all-time high, and we know that many folks are resigning. That's why we did this employee stress check report. It was to understand why and what employers can do about it. And you know what we found is that many people are re-examining their priorities as it relates to their work-life balance. We also are seeing that individuals are facing unprecedented levels of anxiety and stress, which are certainly contributing to their ability to continue to be in the workforce. And, you know, finally, many individuals have additional responsibilities outside of the workplace, like taking care of family and children that have impacted their ability to continue to be in the workplace. You mentioned the uh, Employee Stress Check 2021 report that uh, you recently commissioned uh, with uh, the folks at Harris Poll. What are some of the key results uh, that that came out of that? What stood out for you uh, in the results of that uh, survey? Yes, 67% of individuals who consider leaving their job felt that their employer had not followed through on early pandemic promises to focus on employee mental health. So for me, this underscores the disconnect that employees felt let down by their employer. They felt that their employer was not doing enough to help them be okay mentally, be okay with their mental health. And as a result, they were thinking about leaving their job altogether. We also found that about 52% of employees reported experiencing symptoms of burnout but less than 20% of those folks had been using company benefits that would be beneficial for their mental health. Hmm. So again, another disconnect here that employees, they need this mental health support, but they may not be accessing it or even know it's available. And, and to be clear, in this survey, are you looking specifically at those who have been working through the pandemic and are quitting their jobs now? Or does this also include those who perhaps lost a job temporarily during the past 18 months and have not returned? Because the easy explanation is that relief programs like the enhanced unemployment benefits have made people lazy that no one wants to work. And there is probably some of that going on. But this would seem to suggest that this problem goes much deeper than that. Yes, I agree completely. I, I think that at times it is easy to have these sort of explana- explanations like, oh, folks just don't want to work right. or they don't want to go back into the workforce. But that's not what we were looking to do with this study. We were truly looking at understanding why individuals who had worked through the pandemic were now thinking about leaving yeah. or had made decisions to leave because of, again, this stress and this anxiety and this burnout that they were experiencing um, as a result of working through the pandemic. Now, uh, that being said, uh, these are not necessarily new issues, uh, stress on the job and burnout and so on. I mean, these were issues that many people experienced even before all of the pandemic. Um, so why the the big influx now of, of people deciding to you know, uh, quit their jobs. I mean, has it solely been the exacerbation of this situation because of the pandemic that's kind of pushed them over the edge? 
You know, I think there's probably a few different ways to answer that. And just like with anything, there's not an easy answer. But what we know is that as a result of the pandemic, folks have experienced stress in areas that previously they may have been okay in, right? So, you know, think about like your coping skills. Oh, I like to do X, Y, and Z to cope. Well, what happens when that's no longer available to you? What happens when things that you took for granted, they're not there anymore? And that's what we're finding. It's this concept of resiliency Mm. where individuals, you know, they don't have access where they didn't for some period of time have access to things that may have been helpful. And as a result, many areas of their life may have been impacted. Mm. Uh, Certainly a very good point. So uh, from the corporate side or from the uh, employer side, what can companies do to better address the mental health of their staff? Yeah, you know, making sure that mental health benefits are available. So, you know, for example, I'm here representing Talkspace and we have a wonderful Talkspace for Business initiative where we work with employers to offer employer-sponsored benefits to their employees, meaning, you know, we're giving access to mental health care to individuals that may not otherwise have it. So solutions like that for an organization can be really pivotal, but it isn't enough to just have the solution. Folks need to be aware of it too. So, you know, in conjunction with having something like Talkspace for Business, where you're offering these mental health services to employees, making sure managers are aware of those services, making sure that folks know they exist so that people can use them. Because the best kind of therapy is the therapy that people use. So really making sure that not only does it exist, but individuals have access to it. And, you know, we, we're creating a culture in the workplace where people are okay with talking about mental health and talking about, you know, how to take care of themselves. A very good point that a, a large part of it is overcoming some of that stigma. And we've talked about that on the program before. And then from the uh, other side of the coin, what about from the employee perspective, what advice can you offer for workers on how to communicate uh, their mental health needs to their employer? Yeah, you know, first, if you're struggling with it as an employee, it's likely that others are as well. And so having those conversations are important, not just for you, but also for others in the company, you know, too, so that you could be a voice. So what I recommend is that when you go to your manager, or your boss, saying, you know, I'm experiencing burnout or I'm feeling frustrated or I'm having a hard time getting my job done and here's why. But then also coming up with a solution that will work for you. So, you know, a potential solution may be I need to have less meetings throughout the day so that I can get my project done or it would be really helpful for me to have, you know, the next few hours off so that I can attend to my mental health needs. But opening up those conversations to the extent that you feel comfortable can really be helpful, again, not only just for yourself, but also for the company as a whole to begin to make those changes. Because ultimately, you don't want the solution to come to, I have to leave my job. You don't want that. Your employer doesn't want that. Uh, Advice this morning on overcoming the stress of today's workplace and the factors that are leading to the so-called great resignation from Dr. Rachel O'Neill, Vice President of the online therapy platform Talkspace. Where do we get more information? Business.talkspace.com. Folks can access, access that employee stress check report that we've talked about today, as well as additional resources that'll be helpful for them. Good information. Dr. O'Neill, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services.
Now, this is not something you expect to see uh, at a youth football game. You see it from time to time at professional sporting events. <laughs> but this is definitely un- unusual. Lacey UT is accused of jumping over a fence at a, a football stadium in Missouri and running onto the field wearing only a scarf. <laughs> wearing only a scarf. Uh, in full view of 29 8th graders. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> she told the police after she uh, had uh, ingested an intoxicating substance uh, and then left her residence naked looking for help because she thought she would uh, she, she thought she would die. <laughs> Doesn't necessarily explain why she hopped the fence at the football field, football field, uh, stark naked, but... Uh, in any event, uh, she was taken for a hospital to a hospital for evaluation. She has been charged with a sexual misconduct involving children under the age of 15. So. <laughs> a streaker at a junior high football game. Okay. <clears throat> Salt Lake City man is in custody after police say he attacked his estranged wife with a hatchet and his wheelchair. Arrest records show 56-year-old Juan Mungilia used a hatchet to get into the woman's apartment on Saturday, busted down the door with a hatchet, uh, or tried to. When the victim opened the door to see what was going on, what the commotion was, police say the suspect used his battery-powered wheelchair as a bulldozer to force the door open and push his way inside. Eventually, someone managed to uh, grab the hatchet from uh, Mr. Mangulia. And uh, call the police, and he has now uh, been uh, safely uh, incarcerated. And can't understand why his estranged wife. I can't understand why that uh, relationship was on the rocks. <laughs> Seems like such a stable relationship there. Um, elsewhere in the uh, broken news, you know that technology can sometimes make mistakes. This is a crazy story. Uh, David Knight was confused after he got a fine for driving in a bus lane in England. He lives in England. Um, But the uh, place where he supposedly was uh, driving in the uh, bus-only lane was about 120 miles away from his home. When he examined, he was caught with one of those uh, traffic cameras, snaps a photo of your license plate, and then mails you the ticket. Um, The uh, photographic evidence... Uh, included with a fine, he saw a woman walking in the bike lane near. Um, he saw a woman walking in the uh, bike lane wearing a shirt reading "knitter," which the computer had confused with his license plate, which reads "KN19TER." So similar, but good. his wife called the uh, uh, town council about the mistake, and they agreed to cancel the fine. But that's got to be the craziest thing. My uh, true story, uh, my uh, youngest son, who when he's in the uh, military, was serving in Hawaii, got a, a letter, certified letter, um, that he had uh, been cited for speeding in Texas. <laughs> and it was a similar uh, case. License plate uh, reader had read the license plate clearly incorrectly, and you could see it on the... Uh, it was a whole hassle to get the whole thing uh, crazy. But these things do happen. 
But that has uh, got to be the weirdest one I've ever uh, heard with somebody uh, with one of those cameras mistaking a woman's T-shirt for a license plate. That's a little, little unusual. Yeah. A couple of other interesting stories in the broken news. This just in time for Halloween. There is a house in Virginia made entirely out of recycled gravestones. It was built in Petersburg, Virginia in the 1930s. Looks like it is made of just plain old stones, but the marble stones are a part of the same stones that mark the resting places of Union soldiers that died in the siege of Petersburg during the Civil War. They were used to build the house in an effort to recycle material from government-issued marble gravestones, which were used on the house in the walkway. During the Great Depression, the government couldn't pay for the upkeep of the gravestones, so they were cut in half, and the tops were placed flat on the ground, while the bottoms were auctioned off for $45 each. Oswald Young bought 2,200 of the gravestone halves and used them to build his home. Wow. That is uh, that is kind of interesting. I don't know that uh, I would want to own a house made of gravestones. It seems to me that... Might have a poltergeist thing going on there, but it's a Halloween kind of story. And this has to be a huge disappointment. Mike Schmidt of Marquesan, Wisconsin, grew a 2,500-pound pumpkin believed to be the heaviest ever grown in the U.S., or the heaviest this year, anyway. But it was disqualified from the... Uh, world Championship Pumpkin Way Off because it had a crack in it. He said it was a fingernail-sized crack in the exterior of the pumpkin, exterior of the pumpkin, believed to be the result of internal pressure from the pumpkin's large size and the awkward way that it was growing. But it was enough to disqualify it from contention Uh, In the competition, if it had not been disqualified, uh, Mr. Schmidt would have won a prize of more than $22,000 in the Safeway World Championship Pumpkin Wayoff in California, which offers a prize of $9 per pound to the winner. Mr. Schmidt says, quote, it happens. There's no crying in pumpkin growing. (laughs) He says, I know I can do it again, so we just got to look forward to the future. Wow, that is, I, I don't know that I would be uh, as understanding. It was a thumbnail size crack, and it was disqualified as the largest pumpkin in the competition because of a thumbnail size crack. In any event, there you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news. This update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Appalachia with OSU Extension. It's harvest season. Drivers will be sharing roads with combines and grain hauling vehicles. Please be alert, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this fall to keep our roads safe and accident free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. It appears that Santa is going to have a hard time of it this year. 
With supply chain issues already leading to empty shelves and higher prices just about everywhere, a new morning consult survey shows Americans have already started their holiday shopping and it is not going well. This poll of more than 2,000 American consumers show that half have already started their holiday shopping in an effort to fill the stockings and uh, get all of the uh, gifts under the tree that they want. Half of us have already started. And that number jumps to 70% among millennials and Gen Z adults, the ones most likely to be shopping for kids, particularly. However, one-third of those would-be early birds are already running into issues with out-of-stock items. 70% of those trying to shop early saw out-of-stock signs in stores. 72% say they have hit that roadblock online. And 65% have seen items that they tried to order online, back-ordered, or saw delays in delivery. Which, I guess, only underscores the point. We need to uh, shop earlier than ever. Despite this, Amazon is reportedly going to hire 150,000 seasonal employees this year. That is more than they hired last year at Christmas time, which may not be surprising. Last year, the pandemic year. But it's interesting that uh, overall, the global recruiting firm Challenger Gray and Christmas says even though retailers will be adding 704,000 workers during this year's holiday season, that's their estimate, That is 36,000 fewer seasonal workers this year as compared to last. Well, those of a certain age certainly are aware by now that the uh, Medicare uh, annual enrollment period is now open. Uh, Those who are eligible are looking, obviously, for some guidance on how to choose a plan that uh, fits for them and joining us this morning uh, to uh, talk about all of the factors to consider and uh, offer some basic advice where to get uh, more detailed advice is president is the uh, president of Aetna Medicare Christopher Chiano and uh, Christopher you know just like uh, everything else uh, COVID-19 has impacted Medicare and the way seniors uh, connect with the services the resources uh, not just with respect to Medicare but uh, their community resources as well. Yeah, I mean, we know COVID-19, Chris, has impacted really every aspect of our lives. And for older adults, social connection is such a critical factor for good health. And unfortunately, even prior to the pandemic, you know, older adults were at high risk of social isolation. Right. um, Because many rely on others and depend on others. So, you know, it's such an important element that the COVID-19 has elevated this social isolation crisis. And disconnected many older adults from their communities, which is so important um, in this social connection agenda. But, you know, University of Michigan National Poll on Healthy Aging conducted mid last year said that half of older adults reported feeling isolated from others in their communities. So the time is now really we, we see people expressing great interest to reconnect to the community and whether that's in wellness programs that are offered or help with technology or even getting healthy meals. So it's such an important topic for us to be thinking about how re-engaging in the community um, 
it's got to be done now. Yeah, and and uh, again, we talk about this in the context of Medicare because this is again one of the factors, maybe a new factor that uh, seniors have not had to think much about in terms of uh, finding a plan that connects uh, that 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 fits for them uh, is to factor in those uh, community resources and those types of connections uh, within the the context of uh, of their uh, Medicare uh, plan. Yeah, I mean, I think the great thing about Medicare plans today is they're offering, you know, way more than traditional benefits, including exactly. sort of trying to adjust, address, you know, I guess health at a holistic view, right? Both mm-hmm. mental, physical, and spiritual. So being a former caregiver to my own parents sort of opened my eyes to the struggles and challenges that older adults have in sort of their daily living, right? And it's motivated us to think about offering benefits that can help older adults of age gracefully and thrive where they're most comfortable, which may be at their homes or in their own communities. So, so Medicare Advantage plans can really make a difference here, Chris, because, you know, basically we can offer new benefits like in 2022, for example, um, we're expanding what we're calling a companionship benefit with Papa Inc., which um, basically connects youthful adults to Papa Pals from the community and help them with things like companionship chores around the house or technology. And then to think about other facets of how you you draw on resources in the community, we're doing things like a healthy foods benefit card, which offers an allowance to purchase nutritious food, right? Or a utilities debit card to help people pay for monthly utilities. And Mm. probably lastly, Aetna members and their caregivers get personalized assistance through our resources for living referral service free of charge, which really has consultants that help older adults understand the community resources that are available to them and help them activate them because it's so hard to know what's there and how to get engaged. Yeah, that was uh, what I wanted to ask is talk about, kind of walk us through uh, some of the things that uh, Medicare recipients need to consider uh, when uh, choosing, you know, the plan, the plan that they want to enroll in, uh, the plan that they want to enroll in. Uh, again, it goes beyond just the typical things that we think about. We talk about every year uh, with the medications, with the, uh, you know, medical traditional type of medical uh, benefits that uh, are still important but really goes beyond that. So there are a lot of things to really consider uh, this year, maybe more than ever. Yeah, the great thing is that you're going to see that plans are offering more and more non-traditional benefits, and that's a great advantage that, that Medicare is allowing us to do. I think, as we always have said, researching plans, it's most important to understand, well, what are your unique health needs first and foremost? And do you enjoy participating in fitness classes and staying active? Are you on certain prescription drugs that you take, you know, to manage a health condition? Um, and you really do need to ask yourself those questions first. And I, you know, even did that with my own parents. What are your goals and how do we find a plan that meets it? And to your point, beyond the traditional elements of prescription drugs or doctors, you know, many Medicare Advantage plans offer these extra benefits like vision, dental, hearing, transportation, um, those are very important. And if, if you have a specific need for dental or hearing, then you may want to pick a plan that's sort of offering the best set of benefits for that. Right. It always does come down to affordability as well, right? You know, you want to make sure the plan can fit in your budget. And we've talked about, you know, whether there's out-of-pocket costs and 
premiums and deductibles, they can add up. And so you want to make sure that can fit in your monthly budget as well. So with all of those uh, those things that we always uh, are, are advising seniors to take into account, you've got all of those things that you want to factor in, plus all of the uh, extra uh, ancillary. We talked about the community resources and, uh, and that sort of thing that have been brought on by the pandemic. Uh, it can be even more confusing than ever. So what resources can people use to ensure that they are making that right choice? There's a couple of resources I would suggest. First and foremost, uh, you can go to medicare.gov's website, enter your specific zip code. Um, that will allow you to see all the options that are in your specific area. Um, but you can also speak to a local trusted broker or community advisor. They can be great resources for you because they understand the nuances of the local plans and how those nuances and those benefits may meet your specific needs. Um, when you see all the plans available, you can also look at the star rating element, right? There's something called star ratings in the Medicare Advantage plan space. These are similar to hotel and restaurant, one to five ratings on a star scale. Right. Kind of ranks the plan based on member experience and staying healthy. But, you know, those are really important features. Using someone you trust, talk to a family member, talk to others that have used the plan to help guide you through the decision process. And uh, important to start this now, because even though it may seem like you've got a lot of time before uh, the uh, enrollment period window closes, uh, that time is going to go very quickly because there are so many things that you have to consider. So now is the time to get started on this. Again, uh, Christopher Ciano is uh, president of Aetna Medicare. Uh, just a reminder that the uh, enrollment period window is open now, so time to get started on this. Christopher, where do we get uh, more information on your plans? You mentioned the uh, website. Sure. Um, for more information specific to Aetna plans, you can visit aetnamedicare.com or call our toll-free number at 844-588-0035. Remember, like, act now, as Chris said, because December 7th is when it ends. Christopher, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Me as well. And that is our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Check it out, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, just in time for Cybersecurity Awareness Month, how secure is your remote and hybrid workforce? That important question will be the subject of this year's Information Assurance Forum, from Centricom and the University of Findlay happening next week. We'll get details. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.